turn to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to pick up in verse 13. So just so you're aware, uh, this is the first missionary journey of Paul. It's Paul, it's Barnabas, they had uh, John Mark with them as well. And what we're going to see in verse 13, John Mark, uh, he, he's going to bail on these guys. Um, he just, whether, we don't know what, exactly what the, what the reason is, we just know that Paul felt deserted by him, okay? So Acts 13, verse 13 says this. I'm reading from New Living Translation. It says, Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. So you already got like a little bump in the road, right? The first missionary journey, um, they're going around, they, they've already seen some pretty in, intense things and, and people getting saved and, and just miraculous stuff happening. Um, but the intensity, the, the spiritual warfare of mission trips, if you've ever been on one, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, whatever can go wrong is going to go wrong is usually the planning process for mission trips. Uh, it, it, the, the spiritual warfare, the attacks were all probably intensifying. And Mark says, you know what, guys, I'm out of here. And so he bailed on these guys. Uh, but the mission still has to go on. It, it has to continue. Um, we have to keep pressing on. Even in the current situation where we find ourselves, uh, we as believers, let's never forget the great commission that Jesus has, has commanded of us to go and make disciples. Well, we may not be able to do a lot of face-to-face -face time, um, and that's, that's smart for right now, but there are other ways for us to still be on mission, and the mission must go on. It has to go on. We don't get to push pause on the mission. We don't get to push pause on making disciples. We don't get to push pause on sharing the gospel, regardless of our circumstances. We must press on. We must press on. Paul and Barnabas, they press on. Verse 14, it says, Paul and Barnabas traveled uh, inland to Antioch of uh, Pisidia, if that's how you say that. Um, on the Sabbath, they went into the synagogue for service. After the usual reading from the book of Moses or the law, and the prophets, those in charge of the service, sent them this message. So they sent this message to the Apostle Paul, who they know as Saul, who is this uh, tremendous religious figure, okay? So this tremendous re religious figure shows up to your church service. What they would do back then is they would go through their readings, the law, the prophets, and then they would invite this individual, and they would, they would just invite him and say, hey, look, do you have anything you want to share with us? This is what they do. However, they probably have no idea who they are asking to share this message, okay? This isn't Saul, um, you know, the Pharisee anymore. This is Paul, the apostle, the, the great missionary uh, for Jesus. So they extend this invitation to him. And uh, Paul gets up there and he says, or I'm sorry, the, the invitation there is, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. A word of encouragement. The gospel is the greatest word of encouragement, by the way. Verse 16, so Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. So he understands his audience. I don't know who's watching right now. I have no clue as to who is watching right now. Um, but I could say this, uh, more than likely, you're going to fall into this category some way or another, okay? So, but Paul knew his audience. He's addressing the Jews, and he's also addre addressing the Gentiles who are present there as well. Verse 17, the God of this nation of Israel 
chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. And to this, there would be an amen of sorts from the congregation, from the crowd, right? They're like, amen, they grew strong in Egypt. In the midst of bondage, in the midst of slavery and and all that that happened to them in Egypt, uh, they grew strong. It says, then with a powerful arm, he, God, led them out of slavery. He delivered them out of there. Amen to that. Verse 18, he put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. There's an amen to that as well, because if you know your Bible, you know that those 40 years, um, man, praise God for his long suffering, right? Because my goodness, just refresh your memory. Take some time this week and read back through that, that Exodus journey. Um, God is, uh, is uh, tremendously, absolutely, wonderfully patient with all of us, okay? But he put up with them. through that wandering through the wilderness, verse 19, then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave the land to Israel as an inheritance. And there's an an uproarious amen to that as well from this congregation that Paul is, he's reminding them all this stuff. This is their history. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. I'm going through the, uh, read through the scriptures in a year. Uh, I don't know if you guys are or what plan you're using. I'm using the Bible Project plan. Uh, Just a commercial for those guys. What a perfect time to start watching some Bible Project videos with your family or at home. Get an education, uh, biblical education. Those guys are killing it. They're knocking it out of the park. The Bible Project who we support, um, man, and they have reading plans. They have all this available resources right now. Um, utilize that. Right now, utilize that. But he, as, as we're going through that, we, we know that that time of Judges, that was chaotic. It was a chaotic time. Uh, there was no king, and everybody did what was right in, the, in, in their own eyes. And then you go through that process, and then you get up into where Samuel, the great prophet, uh, and his story is incredible. That's where I find myself personally in my daily Bible reading right now is going through 1 Samuel, and I absolutely love that book. Uh, incredible. But here they are. He's bringing them through the timeline. There's Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king. They begged for a king. They weren't satisfied with a theocracy, a God-governed people. They wanted a king. They wanted to be like everyone else. Give us a king. And so they got their king. His name is Saul. And God gave him a king, Saul, the son of Kish, a man from the tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years. He was head and shoulders above everybody. He was a good-looking dude, I'm sure. Uh, He was like, based on appearance, he was the one you wanted, right? Uh, unfortunately, things aren't always what they appear to be, okay? Because uh, character always proves uh, itself in time. And Saul was not a good dude. And uh, God had a plan. He had another king in place. You want a king, uh, you, want, you want it to be God's appointed king. And that's where, we find our, that's where we find in this passage, King David. It says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Incredible, incredible. That's what you want God to say about you. That's what I want God to say about me. When he, when he looks down at us, there, there's so-and-so, an individual after my own heart. I think 
Um, personally, I mean, listen, I, I hate this time period where we're at. Uh, I found myself last night getting super frustrated um, because I just want to go out. I just want to resume life as is, as normal. I don't want to have to wait five days to, get, uh, to do online grocery shopping, okay? I, I, I just want to go. I just, just want to get back to life. Um, the danger in that, in getting overly frustrated, which I, I tend to get that way, um, is just missing the opportunity of the right now, the right now. Um, God saw this storm coming. He wasn't surprised by this at all. Uh, and this could be a blessing in disguise, so to speak, and not to speak lie. I know people are, are sick right now. I know people are losing their lives right now. And, and that's heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but this could be the moment for such a time as this, uh, where especially God's people can, we can push pause on the busyness of life and just get back to the basics and back to that intimate relationship with him in his word, praying, fasting, giving, uh, giving. My goodness, our missionaries, uh, this is a tough time for small business owners. Man, I'm praying for you guys. Um, I understand the, the hurt that you guys are going through. But we also need to be praying for our missionaries. Um, this is affecting these guys as well financially. And, but this is the time for, for believers to kind of step up, for us to kind of step up and, and, and just shut off all the nonsense. Shut off, just close out all the nonsense and just get back to like, okay, Lord, just you and me. It's just you and me. Um, I, I want to be, be a man after his own heart. You want to be an individual after his own heart. I know that you do. And, and now is the time to embrace that. Now is the time to say, okay, let's get, let's get back to that. Not, not, I'm not assuming that you ever left that, but in case you're listening and you just feel like, man, I, I just feel like I'm in a wilderness or I just feel like that relationship between me and God is it's grown cold or distant. Well, now is the time. Now's the time for you just to surrender back to him and say, all right, Lord, let's start fresh. Let's start fresh. This is a, a tremendous compliment for David. He's a man after God's own heart. He was willing, uh, it, God said, he will do everything that I want him to do. Verse 23. And it is uh, one of King David's descendant, Jesus, which you can do the genealogy. Jesus is a descendant of David, who is God's promised savior of Israel. Now, this may have been where the amen stopped. We don't know. But uh, the moment you start mentioning Jesus, the tone in the room tends to shift, Okay. It says, before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. That was what John was doing. He was the forerunner, okay? He was blazing the trail for the Messiah, who is Jesus. And then Jesus showed up. And as everybody's flocking to go see John the Baptist, this crazy wild man in the wilderness, uh, and people are repenting of their sins, and people are getting baptized, and, and you know, except for, of course, the religious people who uh, are wondering what, what in the world he's doing. Um, this is all just setting up the arrival, the arrival of the king, so to speak. Verse 25, it says, <clears throat> as John was finishing his ministry, he asked, do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not. But he is coming soon, and I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandal on his feet. See, rabbis wouldn't even ask this of their disciples because that was beneath their disciples to, to untie the, uh, the laces of someone's shoe, of your rabbi's shoe. Even rabbis would say, no, listen, that's too demeaning. And John the Baptist is like, listen, I'm, I'm not even worthy to take his shoes off. 
I'm not even worthy to remove his sandals. That's how awesome Jesus is. But John the Baptist understood this. His ministry was coming to an end. And he had even said himself, he's like, listen, uh, I must decrease so that he may increase. But he was just a forerunner. He was just the one proclaiming, listen, we need to repent. We need to get our eyes back on, the, back on God. And here is the Messiah. And John the Baptist would even go on to, to be able to baptize Jesus. We understand that story. Um, just a tremendous thing. All these guys are familiar with all these stories. Verse 26, though. Brothers, you... You sons of Abraham and also God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as one of the prophets or as one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyways. We'll talk about more about that in two weeks. But here Paul is just throwing it down now. He gave him the history. He gave him the timeline. And he's like, look, this Jesus, he's like, it was our leaders who rejected him. They rejected him. Ignoring what the word had to say, they had him killed. They knew, I mean, there was no denying that Jesus was the Messiah. We've talked about this before. He checked off all the boxes. They, they had a checklist. When the Messiah shows up, he will do this, and he will do this, and he will do this. He was checking off all the boxes, but they were, they were completely blind to it. They delivered him over to Pilate to have him killed, and, and he was, uh, as we know, he was crucified. Verse 29, it says, when they had done all that the prophecies said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God, this is the coolest thing, we, we always say, uh, beware of the butts of the Bible or pay attention to the butts of the Bible. I am a former youth pastor, so you understand that, the logic behind that, okay? But you need to pay attention to that. Um, but God, w what a great phrase. What a great phrase for us to embrace even right now. We don't know how everything's going to play out, but God does. We don't know when the storm's going to end, but God does. We don't know at what life is going to look like in the next few months, but God does. See, God is not constrained by our circumstances and, and our viruses and sicknesses and all that. He's above all that stuff. He sees, he knows. We talked about that last week. He was with his disciples. In every storm, he was with his disciples. Whether he's snoozing in the boat or whether he's walking on the raging sea to get to his disciples, he is aware of all the storms. He is with his followers, and he gets his followers through the storm. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he, Jesus, appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. There are a lot of witnesses, and that's what Paul's saying. He's like, look, there are a ton of eyewitnesses running around right now. You want verification of the story? Go and ask somebody. There's a lot of them. Verse 32. And now we are here to bring you this good news, this gospel message. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus 
This is what the second Psalm says about Jesus. You are my son, today I have become your father. For God had promised to raise him from the dead, this is verse 34, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another Psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. And Paul goes on to clarify this. He says, verse 36, this is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. So clearly that Psalm wasn't speaking about David. It was a prophecy about one who was to come, and that would be David's descendant, who is Jesus. And Jesus was crucified on the cross, buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rose again. His body never saw decay, never saw decay. Verse 37, no, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Verse 38, brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. What a beautiful message. What a great message. What a great message to be preached on the Sabbath. What a great message to be uh, proclaimed through Facebook Live and whatever avenues and all that good stuff for everybody right now. Listen, there's forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. That's the most incredible thing ever. We know that if you are in need of forgiveness of your sins, all you have to do is ask. That's all you got to do. Here he is. Here's Jesus who provides forgiveness of sins. And he would even go beyond that, as we'll see in a second, but there's going to be justification as well. Incredible. But here's Paul standing, giving this, this good word, this word of encouragement that he was invited to share with this group. And, he, and he's just throwing it down, and he, he drops this bombshell on these guys. He's like, look, guys, through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins, for your sins. Uh, just to think of note there, um, that, that is for your sins. I, I don't want to burst your bubble or, or, you know, spoil anything for you, but you were born a sinner. We all are born sinners. We were all born in desperate need of a Savior. His name is Jesus. And, and you can't earn forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift. You cannot earn it. it. It is meant to be received. It is meant to be embraced. So if you've got a sin issue, and meaning let's start at, at the, the, the baseline, the, the foundation. If Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, well, then you just need to surrender to him. You say, okay, Lord. Um, you offer forgiveness of sins. I need a savior. Because I, I don't know where your heart and your mind is at right now, given our current circumstances. Uh, and again, depend on who you listen to and what news platform or whatever, I would, again, I'd advise you to limit, limit articles you read, limit whoever it is that you watch, watch or whatever, because, I mean, everybody's got a bias. Um, but... These guys over here are saying that it's doom and gloom and everybody's going to die. And then these guys over here are saying this isn't even a big deal. Uh, regardless of both stances of where you, you stand and all that, one thing that should be coming to our minds is this, uh, frailty of life. Frailty of life. Uh, a little bitty microscopic bug can come into our system and can just wreck things. 
What we need to be doing right now is not being afraid of those things because there are viruses floating around this globe all the time. This is nothing new. What this should be stirring up within our minds and within our hearts is, hey, when this life ends, in whatever way it does, and, and let me encourage you with this in case you are fearful of dying, uh, your time on this planet will expire when God wants it to, okay? No coronavirus can take you out. It's, it's, it's all predetermined by God. So you're in good hands. Now, what does that mean? When will your day come? I have no idea. And you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You just want to live today, each moment for him. That's what you want. The thing you want to be sure of is where you go next. Where you go next. You need to have that set within your heart and your mind today, today. It needs to be heaven because you got two options. It's heaven or it's hell. The only way into heaven is through Jesus. That's the only way. So during these crazy times, let's make sure we're, we're secure there. We're set there. And you don't have to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Whatever news report comes across the screen or maybe everything, the, the danger here is that this all goes away and we resume life as is. And we fall back into a state of complacency. That's the real danger that's out there. I think this is a wake-up call for us, especially as, us as a church, uh, to get focused back on the Lord. So let's not miss that. But for anybody who's watching who's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of what's going to happen next. Or if, what if I die? What happens when I die? Make that sure today. You could just, you, even where you're at right now, you just say, Jesus, I need you to save me. I want you to be my savior. And he will do that. He will do that. The other side of that, before I move on, and close out this chapter, if that's something that you're doing, and, and again, presently, I, I'm not sure who's all watching this or anything like that, I do know that there's a comment section on Facebook Live. I know that we have, uh, through our, our website, if you're watching on our website or whatever, you can email us. Uh, you got to reach out to people, and you need to let somebody know, because if you're like, listen, I've, I'm just giving my life to the Lord right now, Sweet. That's amazing. That's awesome. But you got to let somebody know because uh, what you need is community. What you need is community. And it doesn't have to be just through Calvary Galveston because there's tons, tons of avenues that are out there. Um, especially if you're in Galveston, there are, are, there's great churches on this island that embrace community and, and know how to come alongside you. We can get you a Bible. We want to make sure we do that. But you got to get connected. You got to get connected because the isolation that's been pressed upon us, um, especially if you're alone, um, that, that, that can be a hard thing to deal with. So you, you want to connect with brothers and sisters who can encourage you and, and build you up and to, to, to help you weather this storm uh, with a community, with a group of uh, like-minded individuals. So reach out through the comments and all that stuff. Just Post something on it and say, look, hey, I need somebody to, to check on me. And then just hopefully we, you know, we got enough people watching all that good stuff. Embrace that. But if you need a Bible or whatever, please let us know. We will, we'll, we'll take a Bible. We'll disinfect the Bible. We'll spray it down with Lysol or Purell or whatever we got to do, and we will send it to you. But you got to get in the Word, and you got to get connected to a body of believers. All right. So let's finish out this. Verse 38, just once again, brothers, listen, we here, we're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, is the forgiveness of your sins. Verse, 19, or verse 39, went way back. Verse 39, here's, here's, here's what's amazing. Everyone who believes in him 
is made right in God's sight. I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? Like I said earlier, I'm barely a pastor, okay? So, um, but here's what I know about this word. It means everyone. No one's disqualified from this statement. Everyone or whosoever, however you want to phrase that, everyone who believes in Jesus is made right in God's sight. And that's speaking of justification. Something the law of Moses could never do. Verse 40, be careful. Do not let the prophet's words apply to you, for they said, look, you mockers, be amazed and die. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone had told you about it. Now that's a reference to uh, Habakkuk. Uh, chapter one, where God is, is dealing with the prophet and he's letting him know, he's like, look, I'm going to do something that you guys are just aren't going to believe. And what he was referencing was the fact that he was going to use um, the, the Babylonians to conquer Israel. He was giving them a heads up. He's like, you won't even believe the things I have in store, the things that are going on. The same thing could maybe even be applied today. Maybe God is doing something. And even if he told us what he was doing with all this stuff, we wouldn't even believe it. The key to this whole thing is this, embrace the one who can forgive you of your sins. Embrace the one who can justify you in the presence of God. Embrace the one who will clothe you in his own righteousness. Embrace the one who adopts you into his family, and that's Jesus. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss that opportunity. Here's what happens as a result of this message. Verse 42, as Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again next week. So they got an invite to come back next week. Many Jews and devout converts to to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So now they're following these guys around because they want to hear more. They got this hunger. They want to hear more about everything that Paul was talking about, more specifically, this good news. And the two, the two men, Paul and Barnabas, here's what they do. They urged them, these these new followers, we believe that these guys probably surrendered their life to Jesus because Paul and Barnabas are going to urge them to continue to rely on the grace of God. Continue to walk in the grace of God for you, for me, during this, this day, if we get tomorrow, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Rely on the grace of God. Rely on the, gra- the grace of God. Uh, be completely dependent upon God's grace within your life. Embrace it. Receive it. Treasure that thing. With any revival, uh, there's always, there's always going to be two sides to it. There's going to be uh, a revival of, of good things happening, people surrendering their lives to the Lord. But there's also going to be a revival for the enemy, okay, because he's going to rise up and he's going to try to squash any new movement that God has going on. Verse 44, the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach. How encouraging, how amazing would that be if when this storm passes, when this storm passes, if all of Galveston, or even all of Galveston County, went to church. How incredible would that be? Number one, we're not, you talk about an infrastructure that's not suited to handle that. Uh, Churches are not suited to handle that, okay? Um, But the whole town showed up. 
What? Why did they show up? They showed up because, and it says right there, they turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. They didn't show up to hear uh, from Paul and Barnabas, you know, their thoughts and opinions on this or that or the other. No, they showed up to hear the word of God. Verse 45, but when some of the Jews saw the, saw the crowds, they were jealous or envious. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. So whatever Paul would say, they'd argue against it. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. And we were like, how does that work? Listen, God knows, all right? God knows, okay? We can talk about that at another time. Verse 49, so the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Verse 50, then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas, and they ran them out of town. Verse 51, so they shook the dust off their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. So they, they, wanted, they wanted to take no part of this town with them. This isn't speaking against the believer, the, the guys who got saved during this message and all that stuff. This is the attitude of the town itself. They, they shut the doors on Paul and Barnabas. And so Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off of their sandals saying, we're taking no part of you with us. They're like, got the Purell out, so to speak, as we can understand. And they just, when you leave Kroger, you bathe yourself in Purell because you want to take nothing that you may have picked up in Kroger with you, okay? So they are, they're gone. They're gone on to the next town, Iconium. Verse 52, and the believers, the believers or the disciples, um, we're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, and those two go hand in hand. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're filled with joy, all right? Um, that's usually how that works, and, and, and what, a great, what a great little end cap there on this message, because is it talking about Paul and Barnabas? Sure, probably. Is it talking about the believers from the town that Paul and Barnabas just got kicked out of? Sure, probably. The gospel was preached, they received the message, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with joy. Guys, right now, in this moment, let us as believers be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with joy. Full of the Holy Spirit and full of joy. And that joy can press out all that worry, all that anxiety, all the stuff. Each and every day, you and I wake up in the morning, we say, all right, Holy Spirit, please fill me today. Fill me today. Overflow me with joy. That goes beyond all my circumstances. That goes beyond all the news updates. And it goes beyond all the stories and the stuff. Fill me with joy. Because I can still be a light today. I might be a light in isolation, but what do you think a lighthouse is? So listen, shine for Jesus in these dark times. 
Shine for him in these dark times. And I'm just going to read this last little verse. That's just an encouragement for, for you, for me. Um, and look, and Calvary Galveston is praying for you guys. Listen, and, and we don't stress this enough, but we love you guys. We, you are on our hearts, and we absolutely love you guys. Philippians 4, verse 6 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So this is what you're going to memorize for this week. Don't worry about anything. That headline comes across your, your phone, right? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, okay? Don't, spend, don't invest your mind space and your time and your thought process in this thing. Instead, say, you know what? I think I just need to pray. I think I'm just going to pray. That's what we're going to do. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Gratitude. Gratitude. He is still doing things. He has not forgotten us. He has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He is not practicing social distancing. And he's the only one who gets to be exempt from that, okay? He still cares about you. He still loves you. Tell him what you need. He's there for you. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and pray. Homework assignment for you guys. Memorize, read through Philippians. Memorize those verses, verse 6, 7, and 8. Um, but let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to close out our little service here. Like I said, be on the lookout. We're going to do some more services. We're going to do some more live streaming services because we want to utilize this time to get the word out there as much as we can, all right? So let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the reminder that it is you who forgive us of our sins, and it is you who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, and it's you who justifies us before God the Father. And it is you who clothe us in your righteousness, Lord. We have nothing to bring to you. We have nothing to offer to you, Lord. And the best of what we have to offer to you, Lord, is, is filthy rags. So we thank you, Lord, that you care about us so much so that you were willing to come to this earth. And you were, you were willing to take care of the scariest thing ever, sin, which leads to separation from you. You knocked out the biggest enemy in our lives, Lord. You took care of the biggest threat in our lives on the cross and when you rose from the grave. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray for anybody who's watching right now who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray in this moment that they would just surrender to you to just right now. Lord, that they would just humbly and simply just say, Lord, I need you and I want you as my Savior. Will you please forgive me of my sins? And Lord, may your bride May we embrace this time right now, Lord. If we've wandered from you or if our relationship with you has grown cold or stagnant, God, may we just embrace this time that, that we can just run back to you. Help us not to waste this opportunity. And I don't even want to call it an opportunity, but that's what it is right now, Lord. May we fall more in love with you, Lord. May we, maybe some of us need to fall back into love with you. May we fall in love with your word again. Lord, may your sons and daughters be full of joy, full of the Holy Spirit. And may we be light shining during this dark, this dark time, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us in the midst of the storm. Thank you that you have not left us. You have not forsaken us. And Lord, we trust you with all the stuff that's going on in this world right now. We pray for those who are sick right now. We pray for healing for them, Lord. And we pray for medical, uh, 
Lord, experts, whether they're doctors or nurses and, and people are just around the clock, Lord, just exhausted. We pray for their safety and protection. And Lord, we pray for this thing, we do pray for this thing to come to an end. I pray that you would be with families who have lost loved ones. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. We love you so much, Jesus, and we just pray all these things in your name. Amen.